I can't remember where it was or even what it was, but I remember having my eye on a, I don't know if it was a cookie or some type of piece of dessert one time. And it looked so good. And I had it in my mind what it was going to be like when I grabbed it. Well, I picked it up. First of all, it was lighter than I thought. That was a little disappointing. <laughs> then I bit into it and I'm like, man, this thing's 90% air. <laughs> then I was really disappointed. It might have tasted pretty good, but it had no substance. hear me faith is the substance of things we hope for we need to get that you say well i hope for but i don't see it then lay hold on faith 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 is the substance your faith is the substance you got to begin to declare some things in agreement with the word of god and the spirit of god and your faith is the substance of what you hope for. Furthermore, your faith is the evidence of what you don't even see. Won't you let that settle in your spirit? I grew up part of my life in Missouri. It's the show me state. Right? Thomas said, Lord, Unless I, be, he said to the other side, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and see the hole in his side, I'll, I'll not believe. You got to show me. And the Lord, in his graciousness, was willing to show him. But the Lord said, even more, he spoke. I'm paraphrasing. Blessed are those who have not yet seen, and still they believe. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of what we do not yet see. I'm going to tell you something. I've got some substance and I've got some evidence. I can't show it to you, but I've got it. Because I've got faith in what God is doing and will do. It is my substance. It is my evidence. I will declare it until I see it. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm talking about promises in the word of God that are yes and amen. And it is my evidence. It is my substance. The word of God is forever settled. I feel Maybe it's just for me. I don't know. But I have faith in Jesus' name. Pray with me again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, what is it that you hope for? What is it that you hope for? What is it that you don't yet see? Then why don't you pray in faith? Let that be substance according to the Word of God. Your faith is your evidence. That's what the Word of God says. You don't see it yet. But your faith is your evidence. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing to the sick body. I speak deliverance to the troubled mind. I speak restoration to the damaged soul. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I speak in faith. I speak in faith. I speak in faith. 
Hallelujah. I speak a beckoning to the lost soul. I speak a beckoning of the spirit to the soul that is strayed from the house of God. I pray in faith that the arm of the Lord that is not short reach and beckon them back to the house of the Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray in faith. Faith is my evidence they will return. Faith is my evidence they will be filled with the Spirit. Faith is my evidence they will be restored. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We must learn to speak in faith. We must learn to speak in faith. We must learn to think in faith. Human nature thinks in negativity more often than not. We're like water. We look for the path of least resistance. Human nature. Faith doesn't look for the path of least resistance. Faith looks to the Word of God and says, I don't care if it's impossible to men. With God, all things are possible. Faith looks at the impossible and says, not that way with God. We must learn to speak faith. We must learn to think. Again, I am not talking about this crazy mind over matter or there's all this noise recently that's got me pretty fired up about manifesting stuff. That's the adversary trying to imitate and thereby seeking to deceive people. But faith, we can speak things in faith in agreement with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And we must learn to do so. Amen? God bless you. You can be seated if you'd like to. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, praise God, praise God, praise God. It's getting a little warm in here, so maybe you can turn that on back there. Um, if you're sitting by a vent, you might want to make sure it's not closed. Sometimes people sit by those, and I get it. It's cold air coming out of there, and so people reach over and close them. So I would ask you, if you're sitting there and you're getting cold, don't close it. Move. Por favor. Because you may be cold, but we're not. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's, it's that unique time of year where the temperature outside and the temperature in the basement and us trying to find that happy medium. So um, thank you for enduring. Praise God. It's not 95 like it was in Mattawa a few weeks ago. Amen. God is good to us, Sydney. God is good to us. I um, I want us to uh, look at a couple things. I'm going to try to hurry. John chapter 15 and verse 16. John 15 and 16. Watch what Jesus says here. You have not chosen me. Actually, 
Let's go back to verse 14. I'm sorry. Let's start with verse 14. You are my friends. Anybody like the sound of that? Jesus is talking. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. Why? For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Verse 16 now. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Notice, not just has he chosen you, but he said, I have ordained you. Why did he choose? Why did he ordain? Here's why. That you should go. Everybody say go. Everybody say, I should go. That's why Jesus chose you. I chose you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. I don't know what that verse does for you. That makes me recognize the privilege of being called his friend. He said, I've not called you servants, but friends. I've chosen you. I've ordained you that you should go. First uh, Peter 2 and 9, I think. I didn't write that down. I hope I'm in the right spot. First Peter 2 and 9. Let's see what that looks like. Yeah, that's what I want. I hear pages, so I'll give you a second. Peter was declaring, he said this, but you are a chosen generation. Everybody say chosen. chosen. You are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're like, hold on a minute. Peculiar what? Yes. Peculiar, set apart. You don't blend in. You don't just fit. He never intended for his church to blend in, to fit in, to look like everybody else. Being peculiar is not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a divine will of God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? Why did he choose the generation? Why did he put you in the priesthood with royalty? Why did he make of you a separated, a holy nation? Why did he call for us to be peculiar, set apart? That you should show forth. Everybody say, show forth. You and I should show forth the, praise of, the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He chose you, Israel. God chose you. Think about that. Hear what Jesus said? You did not choose me. I chose you. I've played basketball most of my life. Believe it or not, I've not always been this tall. I've been this tall more than I've been not this tall because I'm older now. 
But when, when I was a kid, we played basketball in high school or in grade school. And I had a best friend in grade school and I went to a lot of schools because of the military. But when I was in fifth grade, I had a best friend in school. His name was Mark Scott. Mark Scott was the athlete in fifth grade and sixth grade, probably in the whole school. He was my best friend. And, uh, we would, we hit the playground, we did everything together. And when we got to play basketball, you ever, anybody ever done the dreaded pick two captains and then everybody else line up against the wall and they'll start choosing? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know if they still do that anymore. Now we shoot for it, right? It's a little less, uh, we didn't do that when I was a kid. And usually it seemed like Mark Scott and I were the two captains. And, uh, he and I didn't necessarily want to always be the two captains because we wanted to be able to choose one another. Right? And uh, I'm not saying I was the second best athlete in fifth grade. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I remember times, at times when I got older, I would be the last one. Everybody, anybody, don't raise your hand. Yeah, I'm not trying to bring back dreadful memories. Um, I remember at times different ways being the last one chosen. Now, basketball, I, was, I don't recall ever being the last one chosen necessarily, except now that I play with younger people, if they're choosing, they're like, get the old guy last. But when I played broom ball in, in uh, grade school, I know what broom ball is. Does that mean anything to anybody? People are like, you, you played what? That must be like a sport from like ancient times. <laughs> How many of you know what ice hockey is? Oh, look, okay. So broom ball was a safe game on ice that we played when I was in school. They wouldn't let grade schoolers play hockey during break because, you know, sharp skates, sticks, pucks flying through the air. So broom ball, you had these short sticks that were brooms. They were cut off at the end. They were a broom. You had a ball that was about that big around. That was a little rubber ball. And you went around on the ice, and you played just like hockey. You tried, but it was broom ball. And so when we played broom ball, I would be the last one chosen because we moved from North Carolina to Alaska. And uh, everybody knew the new kid does not know how to skate. Right? You know that feeling of not being chosen? Somewhere along the way, we can all relate to it. It's not so in the kingdom. It's not so in the kingdom. Jesus said, I. Let that sink in. Who he, I, he said, have chosen you. He chose you and I with purpose. I chose you that you should go. Or I chose you that you should show, right? You should go or you should show forth. So he chose us to go and show. Now, I want to talk about that for a few minutes tonight. Um, I echo what Brother Lewis shared about the tremendous weekend we had together. Thank you for the many that made the journey this weekend. What a 
what just a rich time together, fellowship in the park. Uh, the youth service, hyphen service Saturday night was just ordained of God. If, if you weren't there because you don't fall into that category, uh, I think we shared the link. I encourage you to go watch and listen anyway. So powerful, so powerful. Such anointed teaching by Brother Berglund that is applicable for every life and worth watching again and again. And I was so touched and blessed. I commend our youth and hyphen for your response to the word of God Saturday night. I mean that with all of my heart. Your willingness to receive and respond and be open to the word of God. It was such a rich, rich word. And I commend you for that. And then on Sunday, the ministry of the Holy Ghost through Brother Sharp, timely regarding fear, and it has stayed with me. And it, uh, I went to Brother Joey Charles afterwards and said, hey, he was probably listening to your Thursday night teaching because you remember Brother Charles talking about just speaking. And that's where we sort of ended up there on Saturday after he talked about addressing fear, and then he brought it into pressing past your fear to speak to someone. So we're just going to sort of pick up right there. We're just going to stay in that vein. It is the voice of the Spirit of God. It is the hour. I want us to see the last words of Christ in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 18. Some of this will be familiar to many of you, but I want us to hear it again. Matthew 28 and verse number 18. I apologize for my voice. I feel fine. It's simply the changing of seasons and every fall and every spring when the air changes and I open the windows early in the morning, my throat gets scratchy and I pay the price. But it's been happening that way for 30 years, so I know I'm okay. All right. Matthew 28, verse 18. Watch. This is the closing chapter, the closing words recorded by Matthew from Jesus. Jesus came and spake to them, his disciples saying, watch, all power that's exousia, all authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, everybody say go. This is Jesus. Go ye therefore and teach. Everybody say teach. So we got go and show. Now we got go and teach. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Everybody say the name. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We know, of course, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. That's the name. Notice there's a colon after that. It says, teaching them. Then he says, this is what you're supposed to teach. Go and teach. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Right? Hold that thought right there. Remember what we read earlier in... Um, in John 15, I've called you friends. You are my friend if you do whatsoever I have. Aha. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have. So how are you going to teach them? By speaking and by living and by doing. He said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. He didn't say you are my friends if you repeat whatsoever I have commanded you. 
for us to go and teach, we must learn to pray and do, and then go and teach. It's okay to say amen right there. <laughs> All right. We need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's James. But we see it here. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've come. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Or the that word literally there is the end of the age. All right? The end of the age. And so it speaks of the age until he comes and catches his church away. He says, lo, I'm with you until the end of the age. So we see the command of Jesus to his disciples right before he is done on this earth. He's already died, been buried, rose again. He's speaking to them his last words recorded by Matthew. And he says, go and teach. All right? Fast forward to the book of Mark, the next gospel. Mark chapter 16. Mark records... The last words of Jesus, Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse number 15. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he say? Go. go. He said, go ye. Where are you supposed to go? Into all the world. And what are you supposed to do? Preach the gospel. To whom? Every creature. Now, oh, hold on. Go back for me, brother. Go into where? All. And preach the gospel to who? Every. You see how inclusive the gospel is? There's all this talk about equity and inclusion in our world right now. I got an inclusive message. Go ye. Anybody can go that's been... Called of God. Chosen. You've been chosen. Everybody can go. And go to all the world. You don't have to leave anybody out. And you can preach the gospel to everything. Nobody's excluded. The church is all inclusive. I... Hear me. The scripture, Jesus said, by this they'll know that you are my disciples by the love you have one toward another. Look around the room. We don't all look the same, do we? I love that. Right? I love that. We have, is Brother, oh, Brother Jerry's here. We have, we have Hispanic. We have Honduran, Brother Joey. Do you guys know Brother Joey's Honduran? So you guys are learning something now. Not full-blooded, but don't, don't start talking to him in Spanish. You'll lose him. All right. Brother Jerry is from Saipan. Yeah. Brother Abel's from the Philippines. G and Christina aren't here tonight. They're from South Korea. In this small little congregation, if you will. Hear me. When I look at you, I see nations. I really do. 
I see nations. I see nations. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is an all-inclusive message. The church is all-inclusive. Now, that doesn't mean you get to live however you want, act however you want, believe whatever you want. But Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. So we are called to go. And I believe in this hour we're going to see more and more and more where the church should always look like our community. We should mirror the people in our community. Amen? Brother Sim and Sister Eureka aren't able to be here tonight. I can't even say the name of the country he's from in Africa. But God. But God. The church. People look and go, man, that's quite a peculiar group of people, isn't it? Yes. 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 I love walking down a street with Brother Martin sometimes. Right? I love walking down the street with him anytime, really. Right? You know why I love that? Because especially like, like if he just got off work and I just got off work and we happen to be together, maybe we go into a restaurant and get something to eat. I love like people looking at us like, what are those two doing together? I don't know if we get that look much anymore, but. I love it when people go, what are they, those, what's going on with those two? Why are those two people together? Oh, because we're family. We're family. We have the same father. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that becomes a testimony to the world. So let's get back on track here. So go into all the world. It's an inclusive gospel. Everybody you and I run into needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're not force feeding it. But we got to open our mouth. In Jesus, this is the words of the Lord. Go ye into all the world and preach. Now say preach. preach. See, you didn't know it, but you're called to preach. Uh, some of you just got nervous. Whoa, hold on a minute. I get to go and show. Okay, I can go and show praises. And go and teach. I can go and teach. But hold on a minute. What do you mean go and preach? That's what Jesus said. And he wasn't saying those of you that have this certain gifting, go preach. All of his disciples, go preach. What does the word preach mean? To declare. It simply means to declare. We are called. We are chosen. Remember where we started? He's chosen. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, Jesus said. I chose you that you should go. I chose you that you should show. And now he's telling us at the closing words of these gospels, we see the final recorded words of Jesus. You know, when you're. When you know that time is short. And you want to make sure somebody gets a message that you have to deliver. Because this is the last opportunity you have to deliver it to them. 
It's worth paying attention to what the person's saying. Jesus made it a point that his last words as God in the flesh on the earth to his disciples were, go and teach, go and preach. This is why I came. This is why I chose you. So you would go and teach and go and preach. Yes, we need to continue to grow in the fullness and the stature of Christ. Yes, we should continue to mature in the Word of God. Yes, we should be students of the Word and seek to grow day by day in Him. Yes, we should learn and develop in our life of prayer and relationship with Him. Yes, we should see God continue to work and heal things in our life and fully mature us and grow. Yes, all of those. But we don't wait till we got it all together and everything's perfect to go. Some of you are wrestling with that. We are called to go. Luke 24. I hasten. Luke 24 and 45. Oh, I didn't finish reading Mark. See what happened. I got ahead of myself. Let's stay right there since you're still up there, brother. Verse 16. Next verse. Go preach the gospel to every creature. He, probably, he changed it already. That's what he did. He had the other one cued. He's so fast. He that believeth, now watch. See, you and I are not responsible for what people do with what we teach or preach. Our responsibility is to go and do. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. I don't get to force people to believe or not. That's between them and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mine and your responsibility is to go and teach the gospel. Next verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Brother Lewis read that verse. About Moses. No, we're not keeping any in a box to practice. <laughs> We're not of that. Don't tempt the Lord. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall. Everybody say shall. They shall lay hands on the sick. And what will happen to the sick? They shall recover. These are promises from. These are the last things he declared. We were in service in Stahikin a couple of Sundays ago. And they begin to worship. And the guy leading worship said something about healing. Brother Wiltsey, the pastor there, came and he was getting ready to turn to me. He said something briefly. I think he mentioned the word healing. But I was feeling the whole time we were worshiping. Like, Man, the Spirit of the Lord is present to heal. The Spirit of the Lord is present to heal. And so when I, when I began to, to teach, preach, I, I first started there. I said, we're going to go a couple directions. But there is such a ministry of the Spirit of the Lord that is present to heal. And so I talked about the blood at different places to heal the mind, to heal the body, to heal the soul. The blood and healing and healing power. And so let's just worship the Lord for a minute. And we did that. We moved on through service. We taught what the Lord gave us to teach and minister. And we went on. At the close of service, something says, so let's just lift our hands and begin to worship the Lord. People did. Lifted their hands and worship the Lord. I, I didn't know any better. We were just worshiping God. doing the, the Lord had His way. People responded. God's good. And... Brother Wiltsey came up to me after service 
He said, I noticed when he was going around shaking everybody's hand, he was shaking with his left hand like this. And I, you know, that's a little weird, right? Somebody was doing that with Woody tonight. Mateo was carrying around Woody and had his left hand out. So I, that's always awkward when you, you used to shake it with your right hand. That's extend the right hand to fellowship. And but I noticed that, but I didn't think anything of it. Well, he told me, he said, Last night in the middle of the night while I was sleeping, something startled me and I woke. And when I did, I jerked to a direction and he had hurt his shoulder years before. I think he'd done something with a ladder lifting or fell. I can't remember exactly. He'd hurt his shoulder and he lost all movement and couldn't do anything on that right side with his shoulder. Move his arm, lift his arm, nothing. Well, when he jerked in the middle of the night, that had been a year and a half, two years before. But when he jerked in the middle of the night, Saturday night, it did whatever happened, and he lost the use of that arm again. It did something to his shoulder again. He said, Brother Hart, my wife had to dress me this morning so I could be here because I couldn't move my arm. He said, but at the close of service, when you finished ministering, you said, why don't we just lift our hands? He said, I didn't think I forgot about my arm. He said, I just... And the second I got my hands in the air, I realized God had healed me. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord, we must learn to speak in faith. We must know that we're called to go. Go and do these things. Well, you say, what if nothing happens? That's on Him. I'm obedient. You're my friend if you do whatever I command you. I chose you to do this. You know what I hated? If I got chose to be on a team and there were more players that needed to be on the court or the field at the time and I had to sit on the bench while others played and waited for a substitution, I don't want to be on a team if I'm just sitting on the sideline. I want to play. I want to. I hate it when you play. You know, you got to win to stay on the court. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, I hate losing because I don't want to go sit. I want to be in the middle of it. Jesus said, I chose you not so you could sit on the sideline. I chose you not so you could come to church on Sunday and Thursday and feel good about the presence of God and have me touch you and you worship and you leave and you go home and go through your routines and then you come back Sunday or Thursday and you sit and then you go home and you go through you. No, I chose you so you would go. He chose us to participate. You believe that? I know you do. And I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm charged up. I don't know if you can tell that. Why? Not because I'm trying to convince you. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to convince or browbeat anybody. The Spirit of the Lord is beckoning. There is a door that is open to us. It is an effectual door. It is a fervent door. It is a door that God has given us. And now is the time for us to press beyond any intimidation and find the voice that God has given us and obey the Word of God for which He's chosen us and go and teach, preach, show, do, be the church. Go. I don't even know where we're at now. Luke. Thank you. Luke 24. 
I'm hurrying. Luke 24, verse 45. We see a difference here. Luke is recorded. Luke, of course, was not one of the disciples, at least not one of the twelve. Luke was a physician, and Luke's gospel is one where he was like an investigative journalist. It's the beauty of the gospels. Luke's one of my favorite. Luke was like an investigative journalist. And so he went around and talked to a multitude of witnesses. And from the multitude of witnesses, he wrote his gospel. He got eyewitness accounts, eyewitness accounts, eyewitness accounts. He compared stories, and then he wrote the gospel. In case you ever wonder about that. Yeah. Sometimes we say Luke, Luke wasn't one of the 12, right? Go read it in the other gospel. It tells you who they were. But Luke got these final words. I'm sure he talked with the disciples when he got his stuff, but watch. Verse 45, this is speaking of Jesus, who was speaking to his disciples. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. That's the gospel. And that repentance, watch, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, where? Among all nations. Again, it's an inclusive gospel. Among all nations, and you should begin at Jerusalem. Just a note here on verse 47. When you read Acts 2 and 38, Peter was obeying what Jesus said. Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and he said, at Jerusalem, he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Peter was preaching what Jesus said they should preach. Notice Mark said, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized. So Peter heard what Jesus said. Mark recorded this. Luke recorded this. Peter declared what Jesus had taught, and the other 11 were standing with him, and he, Jesus said you should preach repentance and remission. Peter understood. This is why he declared it on the day of Pentecost. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The gospel. Okay, next verse, 48. And you are witnesses of these things. Everybody say witnesses. You're witnesses of these things, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Notice, he didn't say go. He said tarry. But you got to go to Acts chapter 1. Go there quickly. It's getting late. Hurry. Acts 1. Acts 1 and verse number 4. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. That's why it starts in verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. The former treatise is the former letter. Luke is referring to the gospel of Luke. And here he's writing the book of Acts. And so he picks up where he left off. And being assembled together with them, Jesus assembled together with all them, commanded them, there's that word again, that they should not depart from Jerusalem. That matches what we just read in Luke 24, tarry at Jerusalem. He commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. That's what Luke said in Luke 24. He's picking right up and repeating so that you get the thread. Wait for the promise of the Father which said, He, you've heard of me. Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said, It's not for you. Oh, 
And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father's put in his own power. Verse 8, but you shall receive power after. Everybody say after. You receive power. Remember what Jesus said we read in Matthew. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now Jesus is declaring to them, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost, that's the promise of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in us. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what are you going to do with this power that you receive? You shall be what? Witnesses unto me. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Let me tell you something. Yakima is the uttermost part of the earth. Amen? It's about halfway around the world from Jerusalem. Not quite, but close. It's the uttermost part of the earth. You were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost to be witnesses in the uttermost part of the earth. This is the plan of God. Stand with me. Please. God chose you and God ordained you. If you have not repented of your sins, you can. Repentance is a change of one's thinking and a turning to God and His way of thinking. Repentance. This is what Jesus said we should go preach. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached beginning at Jerusalem. Then you should be baptized. I should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's what Jesus said we should preach. If you haven't been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission, the removal, the washing away of your sins, you can be and should be. That's what Jesus declared, and that's what Peter declared, and that's what Philip declared, and that's what Paul declared. And then you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you have power to be a witness. This is the plan of God. He chose you. And ordained you. Peter said it this way in his letter. He said, we have an unction from the Holy One. That word unction is an anointing. We have an unction or an anointing from the Holy One. You say, but I don't know what I'll say. Start with your testimony. Tell somebody what God's done for you. There's an anointing from the Holy One to speak. You got to just open your mouth. I was so fired up after Sunday. I came home. I, reached, I started reaching out to people. I'm like, I'm not waiting. If a name came to me, I'm reaching. One guy was available to have coffee. I said, I can do it. My schedule's free this time. I'll make it work. We spent two hours and 50 minutes having coffee. Just scripture after scripture flow. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. Keep going. I, no, I don't have anywhere to be. My schedule's open. I, an hour. I'm like, no, man, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Keep. I kept checking in. Some of you know me, man. We're just talking about the Word of God, and you're still, if it's flowing and you're open, we'll go.
I said, my wife and I'd like to teach you and your wife a Bible study. He said, I think my wife would be open to that. I'll check, but yes. <laughs> and I got a text the next, I got a text that night or the next day, said I spoke to my wife. Yes. Amen. Go. Go. Go and show. Go and teach. Look, there ain't a one of us in this room that's got it all together already. There ain't a one of us in the room that's got it all figured out and everything in our life's perfect and together and neat and orderly, so now we're really ready to go. No, neither did the disciples. So what are we going to do? We're going to go. We're going to teach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue in fellowship with the body of Christ and with him. And we're going to let him continue to grow in us. And we're going to abide in him. And he's going to abide in us. And we're going to go. And we're going to teach. And we're going to share. And we're going to declare the gospel. And God will confirm his word with signs following. Go. Acts 8, 3, and 4. I know you're standing. I'm hurrying. Watch. You need to understand this. Saul, he made havoc of the church. That's not a good thing. He made havoc of the church, entering their house and hailing men and women. He committed them to prison. The church is getting tormented. The church is getting persecuted. So what did they do? Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere and hid. What did they do? They went in. Paul thought, I'll shut it down. He just made them scatter. And when they scattered, they just did what they'd been told to do. They went everywhere preaching the word. Where should you preach the word? Everywhere. Watch. Acts eleven nineteen. Watch what happens here. I'm making him work back there. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, right? Because Stephen got stoned. They're like, oh, no, now they're killing us. They got scattered abroad for the gospel. Because one of their brothers had got stoned. They traveled as far as Phinehas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word. To none but the Jews only. Now, you got to know context. This is chapter 11. If you read verse 10, the reason it's saying this is because they're testifying about the fact they were just in Caesarea and they preached to Gentiles and Gentiles got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And so now they're saying, hey, we were just preaching to Jews, but when we ended up in Caesarea, we just knew we're supposed to preach the word. Peter said, I just knew I was there. God's not a respecter of persons. He called me there and he preached the word and God filled people with the Holy Ghost, and they were baptized in Jesus' name. They went everywhere preaching the word. Finally, Romans chapter 1. Verse 14. Watch. Paul is writing to the church. Paul that had created havoc, had wreaked havoc in the church, that persecuted the church. He heard the gospel preached. He was standing by when Stephen was stoned. And he heard Stephen preach the gospel. To me, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture is when the Apostle Paul is speaking and he quotes from Stephen's message. And he heard the gospel. And even though he was against it, 
the gospel got into his spirit because Stephen was not afraid to preach. Go teach, go preach, go show. Where do you do it? At work, at the supermarket, at the gas pump, at the farmer's market, at the pumpkin patch. Sorry, it's fall. Everywhere. To who? Everybody. When I was at the coffee shop the other day, there was a lady at the table behind. She had her laptop. She was working, I think. She was there the whole two hours and 50 minutes, too. I thought, man, she's not leaving. Her coffee was long gone, I promise you. I think she got distracted. Watch what the Apostle Paul said here. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. I have a debt, he said, that I owe them. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. You realize what we just read? Paul was saying, my debt that I owe is to preach the gospel. I'm debted to the Greeks. I have to preach the gospel to them. I'm in debt to the barbarian. I have to preach the gospel to them. In one place, the apostle Paul said, there is a dispute. He said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For there is a dispensation of the gospel that is committed to me. There is a segment of time in all of time that has been committed to my lifetime to preach the gospel. And he said, woe to me if I don't preach it. And I know I said this the other day, but I'll say it again. To you and I that live in this place in time, there is a dispensation of the gospel that's been committed to us. And we must go and teach and preach and show the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Watch. I'm ready to preach. I think there's one more. Watch verse 16. Yes. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. I think Paul was saying, I don't have fear to speak because I'm not ashamed. Whether they receive it or not, I'm not ashamed. It's the power of God. God's chosen you. God's chosen you. I want to open this altar to you. I don't want you to come kneel. But if you're saying, hey, I want to speak. I want to preach. I want to teach. I want to show the praises. However, God would use me to do that. I'm willing and I want to. And I'm coming and submitting myself to you, Lord, and surrendering my